All right, if you'd like to, turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. The message today is to preach or preaching where Christ was not named. Preaching where Christ was not named. We're going to start down in verse 17. We'll come back and do the paragraph before in just a minute. Romans chapter 15, verse 17. And Paul writes to the church at Rome, he says, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem... And around unto Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. What was our last question in Sunday school? Do you believe God can change the world? Do you? It would change your outlook, wouldn't it, right? And Paul believed that God could change the world. This from Rod Hansen, a good reminder about not being self-sufficient. He said, my older sister surprised us with her wedding announcement. And when she asked me to be in the ceremony, I hesitated. Adele, you know my coaching responsibilities go into October. The date you picked is the same day we play a conference game. My football team won't be able to get along without me. But I reluctantly agreed. Returning home from the out-of-town wedding, I bought a newspaper at the airport to check my team's score. They won 55 to 0. A few days later at practice, I was greeted by, Hey, coach, isn't there another wedding you could go to this weekend? <laughs> Sometimes we think it all depends on us. True? Right? I've got to take care of this. I've got to make it happen. I mean, I'm so built that way. It's so wrong, right? And then you get these reminders, it all depends on Christ. We need to glory in him. We need to glory in him. First thing I want you to think about with me this morning is accomplishing the goals that God has for you. Accomplishing the goals God has for you. Look down at verse 14, this NIV. Paul says, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I have written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Real quick, I want you to be mindful of this this morning. We are here today partly because this man obeyed the word of God in his day. Now, God could have raised up other people, but the reason the gospel came to the Gentiles in large part is because Paul and Barnabas said, yeah, we'll get out of Jerusalem and we're going to go tell people about Jesus. You realize that? Sometimes I think we like to think of ourselves as the end group but in this instance, we're the outsiders who got pulled in. 
because this person was willing to obey the Lord. Be processing that as we make our way through this today. This from Paul Cedar, I thought was so good, so true. He said, my most painful experiences have been when I've had a problem and no one loved me enough to tell me about it. Think about that. My most painful experiences have been when I've had a problem and no one loved me enough to tell me about it. Paul here, he's very encouraged by the church of Rome. And one of the things that I love that he says about the people there, he says, I feel that you're complete in knowledge and you're competent to instruct one another. I was trying to hint at this this morning in Sunday school. I hope you hear me today. You don't need me. That's hard to say. (laughs) You don't need me to help you become everything that you need to be in God because God has placed enough gifts in this place, in this space, in this building for you to instruct and to teach and encourage each other. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of leading and guiding and growing. But I think sometimes we would rather toss the responsibility for spiritual duties on some sort of professional position. And here the Apostle Paul, speaking to the church at Rome, says, you've got enough knowledge, you have enough uh, wisdom, you have enough experience in the gospel that you can instruct one another and you can exhort one another. We don't like to talk about that too much today. Somebody went by me today and said, "Um, you need to do something about your breath. Really? You heard that laughter, didn't you, right? So you know who it was, right? Yeah. And is that a good thing? Yes. None of us like to know that there's something not quite right, right? Like you spilled something on your shirt or your hair's out of place or whatever may be the case. But actually, they're trying to help us, aren't they? Amen? And I want you to think a little bit about that today, that we need sometimes to do the difficult things. You may have heard this story I'm going to share with you before, but it's such a great reminder that a godly challenge, given when the Holy Spirit leads us, can be completely life-changing. Um... This is from Editor of Leadership Magazine. Jawanza Kunjufu, in his book, Restoring the Village, writes this. He says, when I was a 14-year-old high school freshman, school was dismissed early for a teacher's meeting. I conveniently neglected to tell my parents about the change and arranged to bring my girlfriend over to my house. We were not planning to study. As we were going up the steps, my neighbor, Mrs. Nolan, poked her head out of a window and said, You're home awfully early, Jerome. Yes, ma'am, I said, improvising a lame story about how we plan to review algebra problems. Does your mother know you're home this early, Miss Nolan persisted. And do you want me to call her? (laughs) I gave up. No, ma'am, I'll go inside and I'll call her while Kathy sits on the porch. Miss Nolan saved our careers that day. If Kathy had gotten pregnant, she might not have become the doctor she is today. And my father had warned me that if I made a baby, the mutual fund he set up for me to go to college or start a business would have gone to the child. I am glad Mrs. Nolan was at her window looking out for me. That's hard to take, isn't it, right? You nosy old woman. Get your head. What are you, why are you worried about my life? Isn't that how we usually feel about people who are looking at us and trying to help us for the better sometimes? Why don't you pay attention to your problems? Why are you pointing out at mine? 
I don't want to know about that. You've got more issues. Don't come talking to me. And think about the dramatic change that happened here because this nosy old lady said, have you talked to your mom about this? Again, not something we do on our own abilities, but led of the Lord, what a difference that kind of confrontation can make. Paul understood his purpose clearly with the church here at Rome. He was to share the gospel with the Gentiles so that they might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So a simple question this morning, what is your purpose? Why are you here? We had a really good discussion Wednesday night about leaving a legacy, amen? Man, I want to leave a good legacy. But in order to do that, I've got to fulfill the purpose that God has placed on my life. And here's the thing, my purpose and your purpose usually are not the same. Right? What is the purpose that God has called you to and how or what does God want from you and how are you accomplishing that purpose? Paul said, my job is to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and heaven help me if anything gets in the way from me doing what God has called me to do. Think about those things this morning. Second thing that this morning is speaking for the glory of Christ. Not for our own glory, but speaking for the glory of Christ. Look down again in verse 17. Paul says, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God, but what I have said and what I have done. By the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. So what I want you to see here very carefully is Paul was so careful to attribute all glory and credit to Christ. Is there any temptation, you think, for Paul to glory in himself? I wrote half the New Testament. What did you do? <laughs> right? I've got stripes on my back for my love for Jesus. Where's your stripes? I've started tens, maybe a hundred churches. How many churches have you started? I've led thousands of people to Jesus. How many people have you led to Jesus? I mean, you could see him just go on and on and on if he wanted to brag about himself. I've raised people from the dead. What have you done? I've seen people who couldn't walk, and they can now walk because of me. But he didn't say any of those things. All the credit, all the glory went where? It went to the Lord. Can I tell you today, that's a real good way to spot a false teacher in a church. Right? If the glory starts really shining, if the light starts really shining in ver vertically, or excuse me, horizontally instead of vertically, that's where the problem is, Right? If all of the things that are happening, and maybe many really good things are happening, and the leadership of that church every, is all the time pointing to selling their book and to selling their record and to selling their podcast and to selling their social media channel, and it's not pointing to Jesus, look out. All right? Very clearly here, Paul, one of the greatest men and missionaries of all time in serving the Lord, says the glory is to Christ. He did some incredible things, but again, he so clearly states he did it in the power of the Spirit. Again, a reminder today that if we're going to do those things, we must be dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God. 
wherever he has been, he would not be held back. He was always proclaiming the gospel of Christ. I really like this next quote from Cliss Lyons. He says, there is a subtle false teaching that says we can be evangelical without being evangelistic. It has to believe, this idea has to believe we go to church rather than we are the church. Do you go to church or are you the church? In our, uh, in the prison, a Kairos ministry, and then in the uh, Alpha ministry in the jail, one of the lessons is all about this. And the response and the uh, call out and the response is, who is the church? And the response is, we are the church. Who is the church? We are the church, right? But we don't think like that a lot of times, do we, right? It's not that we are the church, we go to church. How many of you have went to church today? Hmm? <laughs> is this the church? We call it that, don't we? Right? I hate that about our language. I wish we would call this the church house, but not the church. This is not the church. And so many of us are wrapped up in the idea of that, well, this is the church. But this is the church. When we come to pray, you guys, that's some of the best. That's when I know we are the church. That comfort and the encouragement that we get to share with each other and to pray for one another, we are the church. But the problem is we've decided instead of telling people about Jesus that we'll just come to a building that has a sign out front that says evangelical. Right? And that's what we have to change. Get another couple questions for you to think about in this second paragraph today. How are you giving the glory to Christ in your life? Again, I want to be careful here, but I really have been amazingly oppressed with, and I hate to even say this, an Ohio State football player. <laughs> His name is C.J. Stroud. And C.J. Stroud, in every interview he's been giving, he's been giving glory to Christ. And what I find kind of crazy is they haven't completely shut him down yet because he's performed so well. But he has taken the platform that he's been given, and he has been trying, I believe, honestly and authentically trying to say, Jesus is the reason that I can do any of this. Now, he may stumble, he may fall, we all may stumble and fall, but the way that he's going about it just seems a little different than some of the other people, right? And that's what stood out to me. How are you giving the glory to Christ in your life, right? Does Mrs. Penn, whenever that kid finally passes the weeded test, does she say, I just want to thank the Lord that this kid passed his weeded test today? She probably does that, right? <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Where do you have opportunity in your work or in your neighborhood or when you care for people to say, and somebody brags on you, and you want to soak it in and be like, yeah, I am really pretty good, aren't I? <laughs> That's an opportunity right there for you to say, let me tell you about who's made a difference in my life. The reason I'm even able to breathe or talk or pray is because of Jesus. And you guys, we've got to get much more of Jesus in our speech. Melissa, I haven't forgot that from last Sunday. The lady in her workplace said, we just need more of Jesus. That's been stuck in my head. We do. And we as a church need to make sure that we are proclaiming and sharing about Jesus as we have opportunity. Again, speaking the truth in love. 
Are you fulfilling the call and leaving the legacy that God is expecting from you? God expected Paul to go to the Gentiles, and that's exactly what he did. Let's jump down into what I think is such a key and important piece to this passage. Bear with the preacher today. I'm going to see if I can navigate you through this, but hopefully the Lord will speak to you like he's been speaking to me. Preaching where Christ was not known. Preaching where Christ was not known. Look in verse um, 20 there. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. And this is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. Paul felt it was his calling to reach those who have never heard. You guys need to hang with me because I'm going to get real political here in a second. I want you to know where I'm coming from, okay? Paul felt it was his calling to reach those who have never heard. I don't know if you know this about Free Will Baptist International Missions, but Free Will Baptist International Missions is frontier missions. And that means... By and large, Free Will Baptists want to go where 90% of the world has not gone. If we're going to start a new launch place, a new field, we want to go to unreached people groups. We don't want to go where other people have laid a foundation. That's your heritage. That's what we are about as Free Will Baptist International Missions. I would tell you this morning, we have the same task to accomplish today that Paul was doing in his day, and that is to reach unreached people. Now, I want to challenge you here. Did you kind of catch what Paul said at the very end? He said, this is why I've often been hindered coming to you. Right? Paul's like, oh, I want to come to you, but right now my goal, my job, my calling is taking me somewhere else. I would tell you over and over again, missionary friends that we have, that you have, you probably know how many times they would like to be at home for Christmas. They would like to be at home for Thanksgiving. They'd like to be at home when the baby is born. They'd like to be at home when their grandmother or grandfather passes away. But because of the Lord's calling on their life, it has hindered them from being with those people in those situations. Do you hear the Lord speaking today? I need to honor his call, and sometimes that means I have to make really tough choices, okay? Paul made the tough choices, and part of that is the reason that we're even here and speaking today. We need to reach the unreached. Now, hear me out again very carefully. I'm trying to be very careful about this. Do we need healthy churches here in the United States? More than ever, right? Do we need churches to be revitalized? Churches that maybe were once really strong and now have gotten really weak? Yes. And from an American perspective, there's a lot of places that will not be able to help as much as we can until those churches get back to health. Okay? But here is your preacher's problem, maybe a little bit on his pet peeve. We need to reach the unreached, period. I've already encountered this in my ministry where I start talking about missions and sharing about missions. Oftentimes after I talk and share about it, somebody else comes up with a but. Oh, that's good, that's true, but 
we can't do that right now because A, B, C, and D. We got to do these things here first. We got to take care of home first. Paul didn't say here anything about that he had to stay in Jerusalem. And then when everything was all finally right, he would go to the unreached. He went to the unreached because God said, that's where you got to go. I don't think you're getting it yet. We need to go and to send and to pray to the unreached. Period. And my challenge to you today is to really process this in your heart and your mind and see what your role is in reaching the unreached. Yes, we need healthy churches, but it does not eliminate the need that we have to reach the unreached. So we're going to try to work our way through this just a little bit. I got four slides to help you think about the need here for just a second, all right? Hope the first slide there if you can, Diane. Keep going until you see the graphic. There we go, okay? There are in the world, this is from Joshua Project, by the way, there are 17,313 people groups in the world. They make right, right now they make up a total population of a little over 8 billion people. That's a lot of people, right? These are some pretty big numbers. But what I want you to see is in this total population, there is a little over three and a three quarters billion people that are in an unreached people group. Not quite, but almost half the planet is considered to be in a group of people that have no gospel witness at all. Do you have any gospel witness here on the south side? How many churches are down Arlington Street? In some sense, it's almost ridiculous, isn't it, right? Why in the world would we need a thousand churches in Indianapolis when there's places in the world where they don't even have one church? Here again this morning, what I'm trying to tell you Almost half of the world lies in an unreached people group. Diane, go to the next slide if you would. This about made me pass out again. Every time I see this, I'm just like blown away. Anybody know what the orange is? It orange is India. It just kind of lights up on the screen, doesn't it, right? Okay. These are unreached people groups that are in a location where there's 100,000 or more people in that location that are part of an unreached people group. By the way, there's about four of them in the United States. There's certain pockets in Minnesota, there's like a pocket of over 100,000, I don't know if it was Sudanese or Somalis that live together in that group that don't have a gospel witness in that group right here in the US, right? If you'll notice, look there almost in that Central Africa, you see that kind of green line across there? That's a whole bunch of Islamic people groups where there is no gospel witness, where there's a group of 100,000 people. There's less than 0.1% of a, of a gospel witness in that group, right? And if you look at the little green bars on the left, the top green bars, those are Islamic people. So they're the most by population. But if you look at the little orange that's right underneath it, guess what uh, religion that is? Hindu. And look at the map again. You guys know this. If, you, if we haven't heard it said it enough times now, India has surpassed China as the greatest population country in the world. 
There's so many unreached people groups in India, you can't almost see the other areas because it's all orange, isn't it, right? Who's going there? Well, that's not my problem, preacher. <laughs> the Lord has called me to the south side. Well, amen, I hope he's called you to the south side. If he has, you better be witnessing like crazy here on the south side. But that still doesn't do any good for the people over there who don't, have never heard of Jesus. What's our part to play in that? Right? Again, I can't go to every place in the world. I haven't been to sub-Saharan Africa, and I haven't been to all the 1040 window, and I haven't been to Yemen, I haven't been to Sudan, but I have got the privilege to go to India. You've got to figure out what God's call on your life is, and we can't just drop the ball and say, well, you know, it's not really my problem. Can I say this very carefully? Again, I want you to hear me. I want you to challenge me later, but I think God would rather us have a kingdom first than an America first philosophy. what? I love America. I want to take care of Americans. But I love the kingdom more. And my heart is for the kingdom of God. And my allegiance is to Jesus Christ above all other, no exception. I got you thinking there. I finally, it took me all that time to get to you, and I finally got to you to where your brain is starting to process, all right? Paul says, I got to go where other people haven't gone. I've got to take the gospel. <gasps> Excuse me. Oh, boy. <coughs> Next slide. <clears throat> Devil works in crazy ways sometimes, doesn't he? <clears throat> Excuse me. What's the blue circle? You're going to have to wait a second. I don't know. <clears throat> it's the world. It says 97% of the missionaries are sent to where the gospel is already proclaimed. 97%. <clears throat> You see the red circle? That is unreached. <laughs> and that is less than 2% of missionaries are sent to the, the unreached. You see the frontier unreached? <laughs> and that little tiny dotted line? Less than 0.1% Christian adherence. And that is uh, almost like... Totally, I think it's like less than 4,000 missionaries are sent to that. What's going on? Would you say there's a problem there? And we all say, well, it's a problem, but it's not my problem. <laughs> and I would say, well, maybe the Lord wants us to own up to that a little bit. What is my part in reaching the unreached? This is what I love about Sindhu. Sindhu is ministering to almost 30 unreached people groups. You know a preacher, a missionary, a minister right now who is ministering to 30 unreached people groups. Why doesn't he have what he needs? Right? Well, let's get to the last screen and then we'll talk about that. Again, more for you to think about. This is a lot of processing and, and thinking today. The big green circle... <clears throat> is what Christians, 
earn and what they give. All right? So according to these statistics, if this is from Joshua Tree, if they're correct, 98.3% of what Christians earn, they keep for themselves. Now, I'm talking to a bunch of people that are tithers here, and they say, well, it should at least be just 90%, right? <laughs> Most Christians keeping 98%. Of that number, 1.7% is being given to Christian ministry, just Christian ministry, not missionaries, Christian ministry. So that's your little blue circle, right? Everybody tracking with that? 82% of the 1.7% of what Christians possess, which is $53,000 billion, not $53 billion, $53,000 billion, 82% of that stays where? Right here, local church. But you got to pay the preacher, right? You got to take care of the building. You got to pay the, get a sign. You got to pay for the gas, right? 82% of that stays there. 12% goes to local and national outreach. Again, if you're in a different country, it'd be that country and their communities, right? Which is awesome, right? Aren't you glad people are doing some outreach, okay? 12% going to local and national. Again, of that 1.7%, 5.8% is actually going to international missions and ministries. It's just shrinking like quick, 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 isn't it, right? Of that 5.8%, almost 87% is going to missions where the people groups have already been reached. You're still not getting it. I'm trying the best I can. Lord, you help me. (laughs) Out of that 5.8% that's given to international missions, 11% are given to people groups with some access to the gospel, 11%, and 1.8% is given to unreached people groups. What is going on here, people? What are you going to do different? There's a billion people in India that don't have access to the gospel. A billion. And sometimes I'm afraid the numbers are so big, we're like, well, I, I can't do that. But what do we talk about even our Sunday school lesson today? The Lord likes to take the little things, right, <laughs> and do huge things, okay? And I want to challenge you. What Paul said here, he says, I want to go where Christ is not known. I want to preach not on somebody else's foundation, but I want to go to those who haven't been reached. And, folks, we've got to be a part of that. And I want to tell you this. I'm afraid the Lord has given us a little bit of that responsibility because he's opened the door for us to be a partner with someone who's working with unreached people groups. Pastor I.D. is also working with tens of unreached people groups. So we've got to follow the Lord's lead on all these things. Let me give you this illustration, then we'll wrap up this morning here, okay? This is from Leith Anderson. He says, in the People's Republic of China, the largest nation in the world at the time, and a billion people strong, there exists what is called the three-self church. That is a state-approved church. Several of us from Wooddale a couple years ago were in Beijing, and we went to one of the services of the three-self churches. 
It was an old building built around the turn of the last century, and we had a translator there. Listen to this. There were hymns sung. Some of them were even to Western tunes, which we knew. They read the Bible. They had prayers. There was a sermon, a Bible teaching, and I thought that was fine. But this church, the members of this church are not allowed to evangelize. That's part of the deal with the state. You can do your thing as long as your thing doesn't include persuading somebody else. There are about 50 million Christians in the People's Republic of China who have chosen not to be part of the three-self church, and they meet in house churches because of this. Listen clearly here. Because they're convinced you cannot be a Christian unless you evangelize. They say that the two go together, and if you don't evangelize, you're not a Christian. And they would say that those who are in the three-self church are really not Christians as far as the New Testament definition is concerned. We sing hymns. We have Bible preaching. We have Bible lessons. But are we telling people about Jesus? Would we fit better in the self-church, the three-self-church, government-approved? Or will we fit better with those people who say, I've got to tell other people about what Jesus has done for me? Paul wanted to be with his friends in Rome, and he kept, the Lord kept calling him other places. And so we've got to have the kind of courage that sacrifices where we would like to be sometimes for exactly where God wants us to be, which is exactly where we really want to be. You didn't catch that, so let me read that again slowly. Let us have the kind of courage that sacrifices where we would like to be for exactly where God wants us to be, which is exactly where we really want to be. The psalmist said it this way, Psalm 37, 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you see the condition? The Bible says the Lord will give me the desires of my heart. Amen? What do you want today? What's the the phrase that precedes that? Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. My challenge to you and to me today is to really search that out. Am I delighting in the Lord? Final questions as we close this morning. When is the last time you told somebody what Jesus means to you? Coworker, neighbor, brother, or sister, mom or dad, friend. When is the last time you told somebody what Jesus means to you? When is the last time you encouraged someone in their Christian walk and tried to lift them up? Let me ask a hard question this morning. Have you ever shared the gospel with anybody? Or would you be just fine in the three self church? <laughs> Again, God's call to us today is so strong that we've got to take the gospel to the unreached. One man gave his life for us so that we might go free, that we wouldn't have to live in hell, that we could have peace and purpose in this life. My challenge to you today is would you tell one person about this man this week? Let's stand this morning. Appreciate your patience and your time today. This is a different kind of message but I'm afraid that we forget about the unreached. 
because we know our place. We know what we look around and see, and we see lots of churches and churches on every corner. We look on our social media, and people are sharing about uh, Bible verses. They're sharing about baptisms. They're sharing about prayer requests. That's what we know. But everyone today, I again want you to hear, there's three and a half billion people on the planet that don't know that. Three and a half billion. And the Lord is calling us to say, what is our part in that? Today, more than anything, all I want you to do is to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what is my part in reaching the unreached? Maybe my part is prayer. Maybe my part is giving. Maybe my part is encouraging the missionaries that are doing this work in those places. But I would not be surprised today at all if God is calling somebody, maybe multiple people in this place, and he's telling you today, I need you to go. You're like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and I really believe God is calling us out of our zone, our comfort places, to help those that many people to come to know Christ.